Welcome to the Econ Dev Show. We explore the strategies, ideas, and insights that are driving economic development forward into the future. future. You'll hear new insights from passionate EDs about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from attraction and retention experts about how to apply actionable strategies inside your EDO. We'll help take your organization, your community, and your career to the next level. Here's your host, Dane Carlson. Welcome back. Today we're here with Leanne Silo. Leanne is a lifelong Kansas resident and she served as the Hodgman County Economic Development and Tourism Director for the past 14 years. She is passionate about rural revival and entrepreneurship. Leanne, welcome to the show. Thank you. I was drawn to you and I reached out to you about being on the podcast because of an article that you were mentioning that we featured in our um, economic developers and development in the news. And you were quoted as saying that you were the chief remover of obstacles, the CRO in your community. What does that mean? Well, I kind of started out just as that. I, I don't, I don't want to say a joke, but I, I, when I was redoing my business cards, I thought, CRO, you know, it, some people have CEO, COO, and I thought chief remover of obstacles. I mean, honestly, most days that's my job just to figure out what obstacles I can remove for people so that they can go forward with businesses. Excellent. So what, you know, what kinds of obstacles are we talking about? Well, I know some of the things that Ron mentioned in the article were, were really small things, you know, like somebody that says, I've always wanted to do this or that, but I don't know the steps forward. And it's like, well, let's go figure them out. Or they're looking for a building and you go find a, a building that might work for them. Or somebody says, you know, I'd like to start this business and, and I think I need a building and I think I need six trucks and I, you know, different things. And you say, have you thought about starting, you know, at the farmer's market <laughs> just to kind of test the waters and see how that goes. And so, you know, we get a tax ID number for them and, and encourage them to start small so that, you know, you can learn as you go. Gotcha. So basically when people come to you and they have an idea, they also recognize that there's, there are obstacles in their way and you figure out the way to remove the simplest obstacle or you figure out the way to remove an obstacle so that they can take the simplest step forward and get some momentum. Does that sound that's about right? Yeah, Excellent. that's the goal. Sometimes the obstacles are a little bigger, but yeah, that's the goal. Sure. So you've been doing economic development and tourism there in Hodgman County for 14 years. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Hodgman County? It's we're a large geographical area, but we have a small population. We're actually arguing with the census right now over what our population is. We feel like we're growing and uh, we have no houses for sale. We have no houses for rent. Our school's starting to have to divide classes because there's so many kids and somehow the census came back that we had lost some people. So we're working on that, but we're in Southwest Kansas near Dodge City. That's a, a town that a lot of people will recognize. Largely an agricultural community. We have a beautiful downtown Main Street. There are two communities within the county, Hanston and Jetmore. I live in Hanston. It's a smaller. I, there's probably around 200 people there, maybe 250. And so, so it's always interesting when I go, you know, when you go to economic development meetings and people say, I'm from a small community of 82,000. And you want right. say, yeah, they do make them smaller. But Jetmore is a larger community. There's around 1,800 people here. Uh, I'm sorry, around, uh, around 800 people here. And then the rest of the community is made up of surrounding farms. We're also home to Horse Thief Reservoir, which is a man-made reservoir here. It's been open for about 10 or 11 years, which is quickly becoming the outdoor destination for Southwest Kansas. 
Gotcha. That was my next question. You're the tourism director. So I was wondering what tourism amenities you might have in the community. Uh, I would say horse thief, but also hunting. If you are into hunting, you will definitely recognize Hodgman County. Upland game, deer. We uh, used to be said, and I don't know if this is accurate anymore, but opening day of pheasant season usually triples the population. Wow. That's phenomenal. Well, that's, I'm sure you've got your hands full, uh, that number of people coming into the community. What do you do as far as tourism development there in the community? Well, you know, normally it's trying to find places for people to stay when they come mm-hmm. hunting, to get the word out to different places about it, to support our restaurants and, and local, our museum, places like that. I think really the biggest thing, if, if, I wish it sounded better, but it's just getting the word out about it, you know, getting some the, the name out to different areas. Of course, I haven't done much of this in the past couple of years because of COVID, but, but going to, to hunting shows and travel shows, things like that, letting people know where we're at. You know, we used to say we're this many miles from Dodge City, and now we say, you know, we're 370 miles from Denver, and we're 470 miles from Dallas. And so we've kind of looked at, we're looking more at it now as a, a regional, not, not necessarily a regional destination, but more of a national destination. You know, for people, it's easier for them to travel now. So we're not saying, hey, we're 30 miles from Dodge. <laughs> right. That makes sense. Expand your the footprint of the area that you draw from. That makes perfect sense. So what about economic development? What kind of economic development do you do in, in a community, in a county of that size? I was going to say, you, you look at the county this size, so it really includes everything, whether you're you know, working with, with entrepreneurs that want to start a business, even high school students that are thinking about starting a business and staying in the area, or working with an existing business that's trying to find employees, which is a, a kind of a big deal right now. We're short, probably like everybody else, we're short of employees. And when we do find an employee, we're short of housing. So my world's kind of revolving a lot around that right now. Mainly that's just it. We're not really big on, on going out and trying to recruit businesses because we know our size. We, we you know, know the workforce numbers we have to work with and things. So I'm more of a grow your own type person, or at least when someone moves in, try to find something that they can do here or bring them here to do where they can enjoy their quality of life as well. So one of the things that, that we did a few years ago, our two high schools, uh, one of our high schools was getting low in population. And so the two high schools merged and all the kids go to Hodgman County High School here in Jetmore. But the high school in Hanston was in excellent condition. So it's become a business incubator, culinary incubator. And the idea was to, to start and grow some small businesses there. And we've actually had some luck as well recruiting people from larger areas like the Denver area that you know, can work from anywhere that can come back here and, and work and live here where they're now those those first few families we, we got, they had family here. But now we're starting to see more people come just because they can work from home. So why not live here where you have a little bit more space and and some of the small town amenities? Right. So are you seeing more of that or at least more attention or more interest because of COVID? Absolutely. Definitely more interest. We're struggling, though, to find housing. I've got a list on my desk of, you know, who needs what size house and, and things. And so... It, that's the frustration is finding housing for them to get them here. Wow. So there's, uh, all over the country, everybody's having the same basic problems. Everybody needs employees and everybody needs housing. Specifically in your county there, what do you think is the reason that there um, is not an, why is there not enough housing? 
recently finished a housing study. So in a golf cart, driving all over oh, town for days uh-huh. at a time, going over a checklist on every house. And and my personal opinion is that we are we have some housing that's outdated. We have some housing that's what I would call starter level housing, maybe one bedroom houses that that are not being rented, not being you know utilized anymore. That that needs some significant upgrades, and that is one issue that we're trying to combat. The other is that, you know, our housing is full and, and so there, we're not having enough new houses built. We don't have any duplexes. So that's, you know, we met with the city the other night. We're working on, you know, a project to put three new duplexes in and then start with some of the, the rehabbing and remodeling of some of these smaller vacant homes. And the, the, both communities have started land banks recently. So we're hoping to, to move forward on that. And then I would imagine that during hunting season when when everyone's coming in you probably don't have enough hotel space for all those visitors are some of them you know airbnb homes in the area yeah we have what our 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 motel has 12 rooms (laughs) and then the the basement is kind of a cool setup but it's it's for multiple hunters so I, i think maybe there might even be just 12 bunk beds down in that one and, you know, a setup with freezers and things for hunters. But we have a couple Airbnbs in the area. We have Horse Thief Reservoir has RV hookups. They have uh, cabins and a lodge. So we kind of put them anywhere we can find a place. Unfortunately, some hunters wait until, you know, the week before they're coming and they call and say, hey, I can't find anything. Where do I go? I was like, oh, buddy, you should have started this a year ago. Right, um, right. But, but, you know, we send them to surrounding communities as well, just wherever we can get them in. Excellent. I heard that you're starting an Airbnb yourself or a B&B yourself. Well, we have one, uh, the guest house in Hanson. We've had it, I think, since maybe 2015, 2016. But mm-hmm. again, my frustrations with, with not having enough space for people, I talked to my, forced my husband into <laughs> another project. And so this summer I bought four grain bins, 18 foot grain bins, and we're getting ready to start a, a new Airbnb right next to the other one called the Bougie Bins. I just the bougie, the bougie bins. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but so my, they're gonna they're gonna sleep in the green bins. Is that how this works? Yeah, it's so cool. I've I've been looking them up on Pinterest. I have this whole Pinterest uh, Pinterest uh, project, but I've stated a few. There's there's one in Manhattan, Kansas. It's really cool, and some throughout the U.S. Basically, they just insulate them well and and use those as as sleeping quarters and you know living quarters. So I'm really excited about this project. I just wish wow. I could get my husband to move just a little faster on it. <laughs> well, there's, there's always, there are always <laughs> obstacles and you being the chief of remover of obstacles, <laughs> you should figure out a way to move that forward. I know I'm working on that. That's good. I wonder if, you know, these grain bins, I wonder if, you know, that could solve all the housing problems in your County. Could you bring it? I in- don't know. Yeah. I don't know that it could solve all the housing problems, but I do think it could, I'm, I'm a big proponent of tiny houses too. Sure, I just think exactly. any place you can put someone, there's a, a good opportunity there. There are some some places like in areas where hurricanes have hit and things, they do put up like grain bin-like structures and it works great. Interesting. I, I, I've never heard of that, but I can imagine what that would look like. And I'm going to have to go and uh, look that up and I'll, I'll put some pictures of them in the show notes of this episode. I Perfect. think that would be very interesting. Let's see. So other than the hardships related to housing and employees, now that... Uh, the economy is changing sort of as we're nearing the end of COVID. What other impacts, other than, of course, on the health, uh, do you think that, that the, the COVID experience had on your community? You know, we, we lost some community members to COVID. 
And so I would never say it was a good thing, but there have been some things that come out of it that may be good as far as, you know, the, the renewed interest in moving back to, to rural areas. That's, that's one good thing that's come out of it. The increased, I'm trying to think of the right word, but adaptation to openness for the online, uh, like Zoom oh, and, and things sure. like that, that has opened up some things. You know, we had a project in the works at the time when all that started, and it's just been expedited, but our United Communications uh, or United Wireless Communications in Dodge City is our uh, area cooperative for communications. And we now have fiber to the premise. And we were scheduled to get that, but I think it was like 2023 in Hanston. And it is, it's now happened and it's one, we can now, you know, stream TVs from downstairs while I'm working on something upstairs and someone can even turn their cell phone on at the same time. So, you know, there's much better connectivity. And then also we had a a woman here in Jetmore who opened up a WISP, a wireless internet service provider. So she does line of sight type communications to for some people that are outside of the cooperative area that are able now to get uh, better internet access than they had before. So those are some things that have really, really been good. And then I think just the idea of how important our local businesses are to us when, you know, when people were literally afraid to go outside of the community to shop and things that, that maybe used to do more of that uh, really brought home the appreciation for our, our real business, our local businesses. Yeah, I can imagine that that would be the case. And having sort of expedited technology, having pushed the country and the world to sort of uh, digital first, did your local businesses, did they embrace that online shopping and e-commerce? And, you know, has, has that changed the community a little bit? Not as much as I'd hoped, to be honest. Um some like our grocery store did a wonderful job of, you know, you could call in or text in your order and they would have it ready for you. And, you know, you hit the button on your trunk, it pops open, they stick it in, you're good. I, personally, it would have been wonderful if it would have gone to an online ordering system, you know, to make them more, you know, kind of even the playing ground between them and Amazon and Walmart and, you know, and right. all those places. But, but that didn't happen. But they still, they, they went far over and above to provide excellent service, delivering things like that. I, I think of our pharmacy, he did the same thing, you know. They, you could call in your order and, and it would be either mailed to you or dropped off at your door. But I don't, I don't really see that they went online as much. Gotcha. So you didn't have any, you know, of your sort of retail shops move in that direction? No, not really. Okay. And why do you think that is? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we were a little behind on on some of the the connectivity, which is we now have in place that we didn't a year ago or a year mm-hmm. and a half ago when this started. And mm, I don't know. Well, it's possible that uh, now that you have the connectivity and the and the um, the ability to to surf the web and all all that faster, and that maybe something will come out of that. That would be interesting to see, you know, in in a year I, or six months. Yeah, I've kind of seen an opposite thing too, which is interesting, but we, we've, you know, we talk to people about we're going to put on this class or we're going to do this or that. And they, they look at you and say, not on Zoom. I'm not doing one more Zoom, no more Zoom. Oh, I know. Absolutely. (laughs) The Zoom fatigue is real. And I was talking to one of my daughters that said, I don't want to order online anymore. I want to go to stores. I want to see people. I want to touch the material, you know? So I, I think there's some of that there too. Yeah. It's going to be a very interesting, um, you know, period of time after this, I think, you know, we were sort of complacent in the world that we lived in. We were all sort of moving in a general direction. And then 
COVID sort of reset everything. And, and it's going to be interesting how things develop, I think, going forward from this. And I think that, you know, communities like yours will, you know, stand a chance to, to really benefit. Five years ago, maybe it looked like Hodgman County was going to eventually dry up and wither up and, and disappear. But maybe now with this new communication technology and and just this sort of whole change in the in the society post-COVID, it's possible. All kinds of things are possible. I think a lot of other rural communities that I visit with their ED directors and things, we're really excited about this. And the fact that you call this the reset, that it's kind of the great reset type thing. We're, we're excited about it. We're looking at this rural revitalization opportunity. And, and there is a sense of, I want to say urgency, but almost panic that, you know, we have to take advantage of this now. <laughs> right, exactly. Are there anything that, uh, any opportunities that you, you know, see in the pipeline or, you know, anything that you really need to grab onto? I think this housing thing is something we really need to get control of and get some housing here before these, you know, people can't sit on a waiting list. We, we need to get this taken care of so people can move here. And that is our biggest issue right now. We, we do have another issue that's kind of follows along with that is childcare. And we're, you know, as people move in here, our childcare is always kind of, you know, just a, a balancing act and we might be okay. We're okay. We're okay. And then someone you know, a provider gets ill or, or stops providing care or something, and then we're, we're in a crisis, and then it's okay again for a while. So we need to address that as well, especially as we address housing. Right. And I've been hearing that child care is, a, is one of those issues all across the country. And honestly, I didn't really understand it. But now that you put it in those terms, that makes perfect sense. You have a, a one or two daycare providers, and if they're ill or they can't be open for some reason. Suddenly, all of the parents of those children are now impacted and they can't do their jobs. And wow, I that exactly. that yes, exactly. So housing, child care and, and, and the need for more employees, all of which are going to exacerbate all, all of those problems and they're going to just continue to grow. So for let's say for housing, do you do you think you're going to have to go out and recruit some builders or how is that going to work? That's what we're working on right now. Kansas has a moderate income housing grant that we just applied for. There's not much in it, honestly. There's $2 million, and I, I know at least 40 people that we're applying for it this week. So, you know, I don't know what our chances are of getting it. But I do think just the application process has helped us realize our urgent need and brought some light to it in the community. And I do think regardless of whether or not we get this grant, we are going to have some in, some some housing uh, going up here soon. Not And when I say that, it's not 50, 60 units or anything, but even if we could build two units a year or three units a year for the next few years, it would help immensely. Right. And prior to this, what was the average? How many were being built? Well, I was looking average? that up the other day. I could find three since 2016. Oh, three. Wow. Yeah. So we needed some housing. <laughs> Right. Exactly. Excellent. Well, so they're in Hodgman County at the, you know, Economic Development and Tourism. Are they a combined entity? This is me. And, you know, it probably should be called community development, honestly, because some days it's economic development. Some days it's tourism. Some days it's grant writing. Some days it's, you know, just odd things. You know, we had Bike Across Kansas that used to come through here a few times. And on those days, my job is literally going out and helping restaurants get caught up with their dishes in between droves of people coming in. Oh my. <laughs> so, you know, it's just when you're one person, there's a lot of different opportunities. <laughs> Absolutely. So how did you fall into this? You've been at this for 14 years. How did you end up doing this? When I, I grew up in Eastern Kansas, went to Kansas State University, met my husband there. Hanston was his first teaching job. 
So we came out here and I was a stay-at-home mom for a while and then went into the banking and, and insurance industry because that was a position that was open near me. But I served on the board of directors uh, for the Economic Development Board for a number of years. And then when our director was getting ready to retire, I, I was really interested. Someone said one time, what would you do if you didn't have to worry about getting paid? And I thought I would, that's what I would do. I would be the ED director. However, sitting in those meetings, I, I got to listen to all my friends talk about, you know, when she retires, I think we need to find someone fresh out of college, no husband, no family. They can put, you know, every bit of their energy into this. And, and I had five kids. And I think at that time I also had a foreign exchange student, you know, so it was like, no, that, that is not me. But I thought some more about it and, and asked to be removed from the board so that I could make application and, and then started working here. And it's really been wonderful. I, there's bad days. I mean, especially like when you really work hard on something and it falls through <laughs> and that, you know, that's just, you know how that feels. But I think over the years, having a family actually helped me in it because, well, for one thing, I, I use slave labor. I mean, when I was getting ready for an event or something, they all had to come help. Of course. But, right. Right. Mm -hmm. But does give you some connections to the school and things that you might you might not have had if you were you know a, a single person just out of college from somewhere else i i think it, it's turned out okay right so let me ask this when you want to you and your husband you want to go out and have a meal in a restaurant do you go into Jetmore <laughs> there or or you know do you, or do you go down to dodge city like how does that work generally i feel really guilty if i go anywhere else you know we, we try to support our local restaurants however we have for a small community we have a number of restaurants so we really can't just you know eat out every night last week we were in oh gosh uh Nashville for a conference. And it was kind of fun to eat out other places and see things on the menu that, you know, you had to look at a menu. You didn't know what was on it to begin right. with. Right. Exactly. Excellent. In Kansas, do you have a good state economic development organization? Do you get together with the other uh, EDs from across the state and connect with them? So I'm really lucky in Western Kansas, we have CREDA, which is the Western Kansas Rural Economic Development Alliance. And that has been a godsend. I mean, not, not only are they some of my best friends, but but we all work together on things. If, you know, an opportunity comes to one place and they see they're not going to be a good fit for it, we, we try to keep them in Kansas and contact someone else, you know, in the, in the organization. The other thing, and Kansas Department of Commerce has been wonderful. We, you know, we have, we work with our SBDC people. Um, one of the things that for me, at least, that that's just been the best part of my job really is Network Kansas. Network Kansas is funded with tax credits. And they have groups, uh, you know, uh, partnerships with e-communities, uh, which are entrepreneurial communities, and we're one of those. And, you know, I think we became an e-community in maybe 2015, I think, maybe 2016. But it has been amazing, the opportunities that that's brought our community. So we can access their funding for programs like to John Schaller's destination creation for our businesses. I've become a facilitator for the Ice House program, which is an entrepreneurial mindset program that we can offer in our community. It, it allows me some funding that, that I can make low interest loans to businesses that, that normally may not get those loans at a bank, you know, for a restaurant or a small business that only needs a few thousand dollars. Uh, all the way up to, you know, we do 45, I think our standard is like 45,000 and it's a 60, 40 match with a bank. And then they have some larger loans as well that we have access to. We we have access to a community coach. We're able to work with Don Mackey and, and you know, they pre uh, prepare development opportunity profiles. Just a lot of things that a community our size would never, ever have had access to without Network Kansas. That's phenomenal. And so 
Network Kansas, is that a state program or is that, what is that? They're throughout the state, yeah. I, I honestly, off the top of my head, and I should have looked this up, I, I can't tell you how many e-communities they have, but I think they're working at adding a few more. They normally, mostly work in smaller rural communities, but they do have some, I think, Wichita trying to think of the larger communities they have. And their community coaches are a little bit different than than the rural community coaches uh, on what they work with them on. But it's it's just an amazing program. To my knowledge, it's the only one in the U.S. like it, but I, I really believe it could be replicated. Yeah, across the country. That's interesting. That that sounds phenomenal. That brings up the, you mentioned the closed high school in Hanston is now a incubator. How did that come about? When it closed, we, we had a high school and a grade school and the high school was in really good condition. The grade school was older. So the grade school was torn down and just kind of leveled the high school. We were able to turn it over to the, the township and the township basically rents out space in it. And then they, they kept the gymnasium that can be used by the school, or we have a, a curves fitness center type equipment in it where people can mm-hmm. go out and work out. We have what used to be the weight room in the high school is now the weight room, but community members use it for CrossFit. You can rent space as little as, I think the least expensive space is maybe 125 a month. And then it goes up according to square footage. About four or five years ago, we, we went ahead and got the kitchen licensed as a culinary incubator or a commercial kitchen. And so people can rent that space out either, you know, we have like a honey pour that uses it quite often, or if someone just needs it, you know, that doesn't necessarily need a licensed kitchen, but just wants a bigger kitchen for something, they can rent it. And the rent from all those entities goes to keep the upkeep on it. It's a pretty good deal. And it keeps that building in our community. One of the things I I know when we first got, I went to the National Business Incubators Association for some training and things. One of the things that is not, we're not a true incubator in that, you know, we don't require a certain amount of growth and then, you know, you're booted out and move on and we'll accept someone else. That might be an issue someday if we have more people wanting in and, and, you know, businesses that don't necessarily want out, but it's, it's been really, it's really been a good thing. And we have a small, oh, the preschool is in it. Um, One of the people that we kind of recruited out of Denver is with a, a large engineering company and his business is there. And he works a couple days a week there. He goes a couple days a week to Garden City, which is an hour away. And then when he needs to to attend company meetings, he can either drive to Salina or he can fly to Denver, you know, but it allows him to be here closer to his family. And he's been a wonderful addition to the community. So we have several small businesses there that, and and now the city has moved their office there as well. So it works out really well. So basically, not only is it incubator, but you basically saved this building, these assets for the community to, you know, utilize. And so it probably, you're right, it probably had a huge impact on the community, probably saved the community in, in a sense. And it's, you know, it has a quote burial fund and just in case, because there were people worried, what if it doesn't work? You know, we don't want it deteriorating and sitting there happy and being things. So there's some money set aside to knock it down and, you know, cover it up if, if that doesn't work, but I don't see that happening. That was in 2011, I think. And it's full. Wow. So you are not just the uh, chief remover of obstacles. You are, uh, sound like a real cheerleader for your community. You know, I can imagine that, you know, being in in a in a county with about sounds like about a thousand people 
you know, you could, you could potentially, 2000, you could potentially be, you could get down, you know, the, the lack of sort of opportunity, the, the, the housing issue, the employee issue, the daycare issue, all these things, they could get you down, but you seem, you know, incredibly upbeat, incredibly excited about your communities there. And I, and I imagine it's just contagious. They, you know, your community is, it, I think you're in the right position. Thank you. I wonder some days, but, but I do enjoy it. No days ever the same. That's for excellent. sure. Excellent. Excellent. If our listeners would like to reach out to you and, you know, maybe they're in a small community like yours and, you know, want to pick your brain, or maybe they're in a large community and they think you have some interesting stuff happening there, how should they reach out to you? What's the best way for them to get in contact with you? Probably the best way would be by email, Hodgman1 at unitedwireless.com or my cell number, um, 620-357-5561. We also have a website. I have to admit I'm on LinkedIn and Instagram, but... I, I, I'm not really good at it. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I post a lot and then I don't for a while. You know, we all go through that. Leanne, it's been excellent having you on the show today. I really appreciate it. And I hope that in the near future, we can meet up in person. I think it would be very interesting to see your community. Wonderful. You're always welcome. And thank you for inviting me on. I, I listened to your podcast. I'm a huge podcast listener, period, wherever I go. That was hard for me during COVID. For some reason, I don't know why I didn't just sit in the house and listen to, you know, uh, podcast, but that's what I do when I'm driving. And so when I wasn't driving, it was kind of hard. <laughs> so. I, I know exactly what you mean. Yes. I listen to podcasts all the time and it, and it did take me a while at the beginning of the pandemic to move from listening to sort of retrain my brain from listening yes. to podcasts in the vehicle to listening to them when I'm at home. So yeah, <laughs> I understand. Thank you for listening. And uh, thank you for being our guest today. And we really appreciate it. Wonderful. Thank you. You've been listening to the Econ Dev Show with Dane Carlson. If you're an economic developer who never stops learning, for more expert strategies, fresh insights, and new ideas to take your career, organization, and your community to the next level, visit us on the web at econdevshow.com.